from the fabulous and famous Fitzpatrick's Castle Hotel in Dublin, Ireland. You're listening to the award-winning What's the Story podcast. Now, here's your hosts, Danny Murray and Graham Merrow Merrigan. Hello and welcome along to Chapter 57 of What's the Story podcast. My name is Danny Murray, Graham Merrow Merrigan. How are you? Hey Danny, how are you? Uh, well, no, I've got man flu, man. <laughs> you always have man flu. I don't always have man flu, Graham. <laughs> it does. I don't always have man flu. How are you managing with man flu this time? You've had um, it seven times this year. Uh, no, this is only the sixth time I've had this year, <laughs> so... Uh, we'll get on to it because it's going to be part of housekeeping because we're running low on housekeeping stuff. But first we have to plug where we live. It's Patrick Castle Hotel here in the beautiful surroundings of Cloyney. Um, every Friday this summer, and the summer is fast running out, unfortunately, lads. So, bottomless barbecue, €27, Euro, unlimited food, unlimited Prosecco. Give them a ring in advance, pop up. Delicious. Unbelievable. Drink Have responsibly. Do, do, yeah, and probably eat responsibly too. We had about <laughs> 17 burgers. <laughs> delish, man. Absolutely delish. Um, our guest this week... We, we'll do a little small disclaimer, I suppose, if, you, if you're in any way sensitive about stuff or... It's not that it's going to be explicit. It's it's just people oh, okay. people can be a little bit, <laughs> you know, and uh, to protect... You haven't said what kind of stuff people need to be sensitive about. Yeah, that's... So, it's, it's we're going to be talking about sex, lads. <laughs> um, so And that was our guest. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, we're joined by um, the, the brand Emily Power-Smith, um, who is Ireland's only sexologist. Yeah. At the moment, I'm hoping that'll change, but so yeah. You're, you're, a, you're a unicorn out there at the moment. <laughs> so. Yes, I have a large, shiny horn. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. So, it started straight away. It started straight away. <laughs> Innuendo. We've got to get so, them out of the way, don't we? Absolutely, yeah. talk, talk more seriously. Um, so, yeah, so look, lads, it's going to be uh, an entire chapter about sex, basically. Um, so, if Graham and I giggle persistently throughout like a bunch of schoolgirls. I won't, I'm mature. Yeah. All right, let's see how that goes. <laughs> before it's we like get those on. fighting words. Yeah, <laughs> they are fighting words. <laughs> but before we get on to all that, it's time for something I like to call housekeeping. Choo-doo. Ah, oh, that wasn't, that wasn't. Yeah. I keep I ca- forgetting the d- jingle. Did I catch off guard with that, did I? Yeah, you did. did. Alright, cool, yeah. Uh, man flu, Graham. Yeah, I'm battling through. What day are you on now? Uh, it hit me last... Uh, what, so I'm on day six now. You D- day six of man flu. I don't, which, get, I which don't is, get man flu. Which is remarkable because on day two, the doctors only gave me a 20% chance of surviving. <laughs> like. So, <laughs> it's been nothing but pseudofed and norofed and cold and flu for the last... Six days, like. And do you feel any better? No, I know I do a bit better. Yeah, in fair, I think I've. Are you, are you usually a hypochondria? Uh, you usually uh, exaggerate about bees and wasps and hornets as well, don't you? You're bringing up some completely unnecessary uh, <laughs> trauma there, Graham. A, a hornet. Well, what I'm claiming is a hornet because it was too big to be a bee. You got into my bedroom today. I'm petrified of bees and wasps. I, I don't mind bees purely because bees serve a purpose, but wasps don't to me. So normally I try to let the bee back out the window. I'd be polite enough to leave mm. the room, close the door, and let him find his way out. <laughs> but but a, a, a wasp will die. Like that's it's a battle to the death between me and that wasp. But today, uh, it wasn't a bee. It was far too big to be a bee. It was huge. This thing. It was reading the newspaper, like, and uh, it got in my window, and it absolutely terrified me. 
So uh, three quarters a can of fly killer later. Good old trusty raid. Was it so big that it's like its tail was hanging down and, and it, well, while it was flying? Like really? Yeah, huge. It yeah. Was, I've ju- seen that. They're, yeah. they're terrifying. And the legs on this thing, like. Yeah, it they was, should be running. Yeah, yeah. Gen- this thing like could have done the hurdles. Are, their wings are not good enough. They're, they can barely fly. <laughs> Genuinely, this they're, thing would have been at the hurdles at the Olympics. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, really. I agree. I agree. They are scared. They could, so, you could put a you're not supposed on. to agree with Danny when he's I'm, being a hypochondriac. I'm gathering that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just glad somebody finally is. But now, man, I proper, I was like, no, not having this. Um, so yeah, I I got in a sweat. I I text Graham, tell him of my worry, and he replied with ridicule. <laughs> in my hour, he sent me an audio. You know WhatsApp. He sent me an audio of his experience, and right. I was of like, the noise of the of the hornet. Um, at this stage, it, it was more or less dead, so we didn't have a whole lot of buzzing left in him. Right. Um, but pity because they're they're deafening. It sounded like a drill. Yeah, it's really. It yeah. actually did. It a sounded drill in like your head. Yeah, they're, yeah. They're, they're they're big. They're scary. A friend of mine saw one the other day, and it was red and black. Yes, yeah, these shouldn't be in this country. What's I'd going have passed on? out. I'd have actually just passed. I would out. have I'd hit too. the deck. I, I can't. Do you ever see a Japanese giant hornet? Oh, here we go. I don't. Oh. I don't seek them out. You know, I've seen. Oh, no, a yeah. How did you come life, across a Japanese hornet? I heard about it on another podcast. I can't remember what podcast it was. You looked it up, did you? So then I went and googled it, Jeez. and these things are. Uh, like right they're about the size of a can of coke for the start you're joking I'm not even messing man they're huge right but the scariest part of them is that if they sting you the the, the venom that's in their sting basically sends out this kind of I don't know like scent or what's the word, pheromone or something I don't know that like attracts wasps because it makes the wasps think that their home their nest is under attack so they start a load of wasps nearby start coming to sting you to death so the hornets can then go into their nest and eat <gasps> all their larvae because that's what hornets do. I feel terrible now for so, ridiculing Science you. is a bitch, lads. <laughs> like, that's, that's just cruel and, like, why would you... But these things are... Look them up, I swear. To, and then there's a YouTube video of, called uh, Hornets versus Bees. The only way that bees and wasps can defeat these hornets is literally they get in a little cloud, like hundreds of them, and they fly around the hornet so quick that it burns them to death. Is, is this like this is tribal true. wars? Kind of, yeah. They well. fly around them so fast that they burn them to death? Yeah. It basically, the, the friction from the bee's wings causes like the temperature to rise in this enclosed area so much that it basically, like hornets can only live up to a certain temperature. And this is how amazing evolution is. Basically, the temperature that the, the wings get from the bees when they do this thing Gets like maybe three degrees higher than what the hornets can live to. Wow. So oh it's like, my God. But it takes literally like loads and loads of bees to kill like one hornet. So it's if you get four or five hornets attacking bees, like it's nearly game over, man. And what are, hor- what are hornets' purposes? What's, what, why are they? Just harbingers of doom. Well, they'd all be pollinators. Harness as well. They do all because they have yeah. to eat, right? So they have, I'm sure they eat from fl- flowers, from plants. So wasps, Probably. I know, are po- pollinators, I think. So yeah. I guess... I know, I know, I know. Bees, that like bees, we need. Like, if we didn't have bees, we'd be gone. Like, yeah, but, we nearly don't have them. Yeah, and wasps, I think they they eat some pretty nasty stuff as well. Did so I? they're good for that, I think. I'd still kill a wasp though. I couldn't. The wasps are huge oh. as well, though, aren't they? It's getting to that time of year as well where they're just sting at them. Yeah, just to die. Oh. So be careful out there, lads. Bee movies, great. I've never watched. It. I can't watch it. The, the buzzing. If I was in a cinema <laughs> with surround sound and there was buzzing. I'd There's have, no I'd buzzing. Have a, I'd have a panic attack. There's man. not much buzzing in the movie because it's Pixar, like Terrifying, Jerry Seinfeld. Right? It's very good. It'd almost be like if somebody's it's very educational for kids that are watching it. 
Yeah, I'd say so, yeah. And, like, I get that. Like, David Attenborough was the one who kind of made me say, like, all right, I'm not going to kill bees anymore, but wasps will still die, like. <laughs> so, you know. Don't go to Australia. I could. Everything in Australia wants to kill you. I was there. I was there for the year. Were you in Australia, Greg? Look yeah. at you. You're, you're so blasé about all of this. That's None of this good. bothers you. Look at you. I didn't come across a spider, a snake, oh, a bee, or wasps, or... Lizards I got, I got oh, bitten no. by a redback. Really? In my first month in Australia. Oh my God, like, are you serious? I, I, loads of really seriously dangerous shit happened, actually happened to me. Oh no. Oh, no. Yeah. Wait, and I, I thought I brought it, I think I brought it on myself because I have an absolute, you know, I am that typical Irish person who arrived in Australia and it's like, oh, there's a, a crisp packet rolling down the street. What's in it? There's something coming to kill me. It's like, I will. And I, I, maybe I actually brought it on myself. You see, and you were so calm and relaxed That's and nothing like, happened to you. The worst thing about me was a possum living in the attic. That's pretty cool, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. But he didn't come down or anything. You just hear him at night. No, it's bad. It, it's bad. I got. I even got. I even even my 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 partner was watching me swim, snorkel, and there was a shark behind me in the water, and he just watched. Just what? Just casually, just, just going like, oh, and it just went off. It wasn't chasing me as such. I didn't even know it was there. And it went off and, and he said, oh, I'm glad you, you, you should get out of the water. Like when I was close enough, he didn't shout or anything. Oh, my and God. Like, and he's like, yeah, I think there was like there was a fin behind you. It was definitely like and he wasn't messing. And Jesus. yeah, this is very blasé about it. Yeah. He said, well, what could I do if I jumped in? It would have killed us both. <laughs> so it's better that it only gets one of us. Well, yeah. It's a true story. Um. It's like, unless it's a great white, it's probably only going to bite me. Yeah. And, you know, you could have avoided that by pulling me out of the water, perhaps. But Maybe it wasn't a life or death. Isn't it one, one of the other person? Isn't it one of the things as well that, like, sharks, they, 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 they actually don't like the taste of humans, apparently. But they don't know that until they, like, bite and they're like, oh. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh I've heard that. God. I don't know if it's true because, like. But they're attracted by blood, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Do you ever and see that movement, in, yeah. in in Shark Week on Discovery Channel? Yeah, yeah. How like they sniff out like one drop of blood per like something several million yeah, of water. It's amazing. That's yeah. Mental. Yeah, mental. But yeah. most people who get attacked by sharks are stupid. In what sense? <laughs> they do stupid things like surfing. Well, I'm not sure that <laughs> I'm not sure that like, that many people get got surfing but a lot of people surf where they know there are dangerous sharks yeah, what's yeah. that about yeah if I like, i'm just gonna go and play frisbee on the m50 oh i got hit by a car <laughs> let's let's do away with cars i mean it is kind of yeah. you know <laughs> that's a fair point. it's pretty Brilliant. stupid isn't it it's, like, it's a good analogy as well i like that yeah. <clears throat> when i was um, in keynes um they were saying that the guy had just been bitten by a shark really badly on his hip and we were like oh i was like oh god because i was going out in the barrier in cairns is it yeah 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 and um, your man, I said, oh, I'm a bit worried. You know, he said, listen, just don't be stupid. And I was like, what? He said, the guy was spearfishing and he was attaching not fully dead, bleeding fish to his belt. Yeah, all right. That's, that's <laughs> So and then got attacked by the shark. So the shark came yeah. and bit his hip off. That is actually, that's like that idiot in Alaska you know I mean? that like, went to live with bears and thought he could like, you know, be a bear essentially. And then everybody was shocked when they found out. Oh, your man. Do you know your man that was living with bears? Yeah, yeah the bears ate him. <gasps> yeah, it was winter and the bears were hungry. So, you know, <laughs> om nom 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 nom. Like, There's a lot of attacks in Cairns, though, isn't there? Shark attacks. Well, I mean, there, you know, there aren't a lot of shark attacks in the world, really. Yeah. They're yeah. one of the fewer deaths by shark, you know, really. It's all, it's all dramatized and made into a big deal. But yeah, because there's so much scuba diving and snorkeling up there yeah. the Great Barrier Reef yeah. so yeah jellyfish I'd say are a jellyfish are much more dangerous what's that I did one? the Barrier Reef it's gorgeous isn't it life changing 
I did, yeah, it is. I did snorkeling up there. It was amazing. It's just incredible. It's hard yeah. to believe that that is real. That there's, yeah, yeah. you know, all this little world, all these little fish doing their dances. These <coughs> are like little exotic colours and illuminating colours and you're just kind of snorkeling with them. Yeah, it's like, What's going on here? Yeah, absolutely. I yeah. got terrible um, seasick on the way back though. Didn't enjoy that. Did you throw up? I didn't know. I just had, I was like six, seven hours later, I was still topsy-turvy. Because I think if you throw up, the fish come to eat it and you got an even better view. <laughs> really? <laughs> I guess it depends what you were eating. Yeah, it depends, yeah. <laughs> I won't be eating fish and chips. <laughs> I'm going out to Sea Life and Bray and I'm going to test that here too. <laughs> Sea Life and Bray is excellent. Yeah, I was there years ago. I haven't been in a long time now. Yeah, it's really yeah. It's way better than it looks from the outside. It really, it? yeah. And, yeah. and the, the space, like you wouldn't think it had that Where much the space. Oh. <laughs> so sorry. You're right. I thought I'd put it on silent. Yeah, deadly. So right, we've, actually, that's quite a lot we've covered in the house. What were we just saying there? About sea life and Bray being yeah, a lot better than us. Where's all that space come from? Is it under the prom? It must be. Do they dig into the sea? Like the whole thing is magical. Yeah. It's huge. Like you wouldn't believe when you go into the main office or reception. Yeah. And you're going down. You're you must be going under. You must be under, under the, the prom. under the road and stuff. Yeah, you have to be. It's brilliant. Yeah. Sea Life Bray is excellent. It is. Mm. Pop out to Bray. Actually, wider out in Bray as well. We must say, uh, you can pop out to Men's Hair Code. They've opened up a new shop. In Bray. Gra- congratulations to Jay Brophy and the lads there. Um, local lads, doing well. The shop down Dunleary is always hopping. And now they've managed to get a second shop up and running. They managed to fix my head, so... <laughs> Have like, they? Well, I, <laughs> I mean, talking. they've got it to a point where I'm, I'm willing to go out without wearing a hat. Like, <laughs> I went for a haircut there about two months ago and they shaved me fringe like they shaved from like here to here oh just, you want to see it and it's I was fringe like, like. like me fringe I was like sorry what, what's that and you're like oh you're going to do a comb over aren't you and I was like what's that got to do with shaving my fringe though wow. so and then obviously you have to wait for it there's nothing you can do with that except wait yeah. for it to grow back like so <laughs> I've seen it and i just seen a lion that was shaved I was like what the yeah. hell did they do so t- thankfully Brophy and Co were able to at least maybe look acceptable you can always count Brophy to fix it so, yeah. Um, men's Hair Co., congratulations on your second start out. Bright. Even Finn Baller, Fergal Devitt, was uh, Instagramming them, yeah. saying, come Good on, luck. the lads, and all that. So, there you go. Right, housekeeping done over? Over and done, yeah. Right, let's get down to it. Emily, what exactly is sexology? So, sexology is the scientific study of sexuality. So, it borrows from all the, loads of the other ologies, basically. So, I did a a master's in sexology in, when I was in Western Australia. Um, you can't obviously do any training like that here in Ireland. I was going to say, it doesn't seem like the type of thing you, you do in UCD. You could do enough like. confession if you <laughs> tried to do that here. I was just going to say, why can't you do it here? <laughs> well, because, I mean... It, it's not because of the Catholic Church, is it? Probably. Well, I, I mean, I, I can't say. I don't know why it is. I just can tell you there's no training in sexology in Ireland. There's, if people want to train as a sex therapist, they go to the UK, even if they're therapists or couples therapists you need to do the training pretty much in the uk unless you want it to be catholic training uh and you go to somebody like who's the catholic uh, accord oh no idea relate which is one's uk and one is irish accord is irish so you can you can you can do relationship therapy training there but it will have a a a catholic bent so there's they won't really teach you anything about sex because obviously no one's supposed to enjoy sex you're supposed to offer it up yeah. and get pregnant every time so um why would you need to train in that yeah i mean i think it does stem from a back you know a, a history of that 
Um, there's a new course in DCU that's just started um, in the last couple of years, which they're beginning to teach around the theory of sexuality in the media. Um, but it's not a practical course yet. But it's great. It's it's starting to, you know, a bit of progress. Like, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. So people want it. So you did that in Western Australia. Yeah. So when you came back to live in Ireland, um, mm-hmm. was it acceptable in kind of the ed- education sectors and? Were people blessing themselves when you said that's what you do? Or they're like, oh, God, no, please. Well, it's really interesting because um, what I, I learned a lot. So I went there really interested in sex, but with no training. And therefore, I had my own levels of immaturity and discomfort talking around it. Um, I didn't realize how hard it was to find people in Ireland who didn't have that, no matter what their um, training or background was. So I was having... Uh, other psychotherapists come up to me saying things like, oh, I'll be your case study if you like. And I, I think they thought I was there learning sexual skills and I was now this like ninja sex worker, <laughs> you know, with a master's in mastery or something. I don't know. But they, they certainly I, I had very few <laughs> genuine inquiries that didn't imply something slightly yeah. less, you know, together. But, uh, you know, it, is it accepted academically? I teach a lot on third, at third level now. Mm. Um, I teach, I train a lot of other professionals, so there's a need for it. And I am, I am respected, it seems, by those who, who engage me for training. I don't know about the ones who don't. <laughs> I'm sure people are very suspicious of me because I, it is something new. Yeah. And because of the way I talk about it and because I, um, I feel you have to um, walk the talk. And so I've had to shed a huge amount of my own shame around talking about sex and around being sexual and around naming things around being sexual in order to be able to do this work. Um, Because I think if you've got any of those hang-ups yourself, um, it's going to be uncomfortable for the clients that you're working with. They're going to feel it. They're kind of looking for it. They're waiting to see where the shame is going to pop up when you're going to embarrass them because they feel so embarrassed, you know. So, uh, yeah, it's a mixed, a real mixed bag as to how I get uh, received. So, so when you're saying there that, like, uh, someone might not take it as serious, like, as do other people who have gone on to do studies at the same level. Like, you also have a PhD as well, like, so surely... I don't. Oh, you don't, do you not? No, I don't. Oh. I oh, will sorry. have, but I oh, don't Oh, yeah, you're in the process of getting it, is it? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. No, oh. I plan to do it. I have a, I have a post-grad um, sorry, a qualification yeah, in, in art therapy. Okay. So I was an art therapist qualified in 2004 okay. and I was working as an art therapist for a number of years. And it was really through that work yeah. and my training prior to that, that I realized that um, I wasn't comfortable to broach sexuality topics with my clients. And I'm into sex and talking yeah. about it, um, but I didn't feel professionally trained. And my fear was that I'd open a can of worms and I wouldn't know what to do with it, that people would want to tell me about terrible trauma in their past and I wouldn't be able to mind them properly in it. Okay. Um, so I spoke to a number of other therapists and I said, what do you do? You know, this is starting to come into my work more and more. I worked with all client groups for all ages and all abilities and all sizes and shapes and ages and everybody. I had a real, I was really lucky to work with a huge range of people and it was coming into everybody's work in different ways. Um, and the other therapists, generally the, what I was told was, oh, I don't know how to work with it, but I can tell you how to steer them away from the topic. Steer them away? That, yeah. Well, that'd be counterproductive, surely. I think so. So I, that was what really... Just avoid it, like? Yeah, yeah, which is what I was doing. Yeah. So you, you, you got into it then because 
there was a, a need for it. A real need for it, So yeah. your kind of clients and stuff like that were bringing it up. Yeah. But you couldn't help them. I was afraid to, I was afraid that I couldn't help them. As it turns out, I could have helped them, but I didn't know that. And if you don't have that confidence as a therapist, you don't go there. Or you, okay. you know, we're taught in, 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 when we're training as a therapist, my training was quite long. It was four years and you're taught in training how to deal with money issues, how to deal with violence, how to deal with uh, addictions, how to deal with loss and grief and all these other things that are natural human uh, occurrences. And you're told, the way you're taught to deal with it is you're told to um, figure out your own stuff around a particular area. So say it's um, addiction. If you've anything in your history from family members or your own, you need to be able to know the difference between your stuff and your client's stuff. You need to be able to separate them and leave your stuff to the side as best you can while you're and focus on your client. That isn't taught. The one area they don't cover in training in Ireland is sexuality. So you're not taught Mm. that. So you don't you don't go into your work with the confidence of going, okay, well, I know my stuff and I know where my boundaries are. And so I can do this. You're not given that. Do you think that's a problem, though, that stems all the way back even as far as... Because I'm even just thinking in terms of sexual education, like in, in at school level even. Mm. Like, I remember the, the sex ed we got in school, and it was yeah. like... The video was awful. <laughs> it was just like diagrams of yeah, the male yeah. genitals, um, female genitals, and just giving you words. And I remember the the educator was asking, you know what are slang words mm. i never felt i got out from it it was all just yeah i i learned you mentioned a slang word and giggle i learned more i think from like the lad in my class who had an older brother and had obviously said stuff to him and then yeah. he came back and he was right lads here's what it is you know what i mean like yeah. th- there isn't really anything there that, and that can't be like healthier good I suppose it isn't and if you look at the countries where they've got a really um, a much healthier attitude to sexuality and to educating around it you know the approach couldn't be more different to what we supposedly Mm. attempt to do here so you're probably looking more at the Scandinavian countries and um, some parts of North America as well and some parts of Australia but it is pockets everywhere there isn't any country where you can say yeah they've got it sorted but what they do in, say, for example, Norway, is they start, they, 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 it's just natural, it's comfortable, and people begin to talk about it with kids as young as two. Now, mm. in Ireland, that immediately makes everybody terrified because they think, oh, you're sexualizing our kids. You're not talking to a two-year-old about sex, obviously. They wouldn't have any interest in it. They wouldn't know yeah. what you were going on about. So you don't start there. You start with... Um, Perhaps you start with, they might be touching themselves and it might be as simple as not shaming them, not telling them it's dirty, not telling them it's bad or anything else. And and the first thing you begin to teach them is the difference between private and public. Yeah. So you're not saying they shouldn't do it, but you are saying that there's a place for it and yeah. that it's a great thing to do. Everyone does it. Everyone, everyone should do it. Um, but you do it. You do it where you're safe and where you're not going to offend and where you're not. But you don't even say that much to a two-year-old. It's a one-sentence yeah. conversation. But you you have it continually. It's not the conversation which we all had yeah. to you know try and deal with. It's it's an ongoing dialogue throughout a person's life, and you couple it with life skills because what we seem to what seems to be the case is that if you teach a child who's really precocious and confident and you know, perhaps they're on the debating team and they've got a really good social life and they're really funny and they're really outgoing. Um, 
they won't necessarily be that strong in themselves when it comes to being with another person and being sexual with them. And the reason seems to be that because they haven't got to practice that. So you can practice being funny and being smart and being outgoing and being confident. We get to practice that all the time, you know, with your friends and going to the shops, whatever it happens to be going out at night. You don't get to practice boundary setting, mm. um, consent or, or how to hear or, or give information around sex ever until you're in the situation and yeah. the pressure's on you. So it seems to me be that without the life skills being attached to the sexual information, they, they, people, kids don't make that connection themselves. So you teach them about sex, they're really precocious, they don't put the two together. You teach them about sex and this is how you negotiate your sexuality with these life skills, that tends to be the way from research that works best. And it makes perfect sense when you think about it. Yeah. So you're not teaching people um, how you're not teaching girls how to be safe. You're not teaching boys how to respect girls. You're teaching everybody to respect themselves and each other, no matter what the gender. You take the gender out of it. I mm. think is the way to go. Because at the moment we have this gender war thing going on, and it's all about you know boys versus girls and men versus women. And for a start, that isn't even the whole population. There's a whole load of people who don't identify as either. Yeah. Um, so you're leaving out a whole load of people. And we're so literal that if we leave out a bunch of people and learn how to respect male and female genders, we actually don't necessarily transfer those skills to respecting everybody. It's it's really interesting yeah. how how specific we need to be. Yeah, you know, and it's just, it's not done here. No, it's yeah. It, it's so school is too late. School we, is you know. too late. Well, so so what? Where would you? I know you said age two when you start. Yeah. The little things, but in terms of the educate education system, because with parents, they possibly in Ireland they possibly feel right. That's why they, my child is going to school. It's not up to me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's it's that yeah. shame type yeah. of thing. You've you've hit the nail on the head. It's it's when parents when parents pass over something like that to to the school, it's because they are so uncomfortable themselves, mm. and the school don't handle it because they're human beings too, and they have their own discomfort and no training and no skills. And it seems to be in Ireland the tradition is that the the young most inexperienced teacher gets thrown that particular piece of of education because no one wants to do it mm. so they, they give it to the least confident person um possibly because they think there's a, a, a smaller age gap but that in itself can be even more awkward for for a young teacher yeah um so yeah it, it's i think time for us to grow up and get over the fact that we're uncomfortable and we're ashamed and we're embarrassed and put our children's safety and empowerment before our own damage and shame and that is i don't say that lightly that's a really huge challenge it's a really big thing but you know what what we have no other options what we're Mm. doing what we're not doing doesn't work Mm. kids so there was an ispcc report out just recently i think now um about irish use of children's use of porn and i think they were saying that six was the age that young that kids are seeing porn now in six six like they seek it out or they just come across it you know is there a difference i mean what are they seeking out at the age of six they don't know even if they're yeah. seeking out boobies or you know bums that's what they're 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 not expecting what they're going to get if they if they google that yeah yeah um so what age does does a human um become kind of sexual in terms of you know where you said boobies there yeah you know you might see 
you might see a four or five year old saying to their mammy, you know, boobies or whatever. Yeah. Is that them? What what is what what are they doing there? They're looking for for um, reassurance and connection to the part of the body that they've been closest to and and hugged to and cuddled to. They're they're not. There's absolutely nothing sexual in that at all. And any mother would know that kind of thing. But mm. um, if a child knows, is it? And the, the other thing is when kids are uh, when kids observe porn or movies with a high sexual content in them, they start using language um, which is sexualized. It makes it confusing for us to know what's really going on for the child. Where did they learn that language? And it always needs checking out. If a child knows a porn expression, you want to know why they know that. How do yeah. they know it? And, and are they continually sourcing that, that, that mm. information from, you know, that's the sort of thing parents need to be watching out for. But as for little kids, asking that, curiosity starts when you're out of the womb. Okay. Uh, in fact, there's imagery now of, of kids in the womb holding their, their genitals and, and soothing themselves. Can you call it masturbation? Well, a little kid in the womb holding his penis and it looks like it's, you know, I don't know what, what if, if you need to classify it. It's certainly not a sexual act, but it's a yeah. soothing act. I mean... Yeah. <laughs> Why wouldn't you until you're shamed not to? Giddy, giddy moment number one. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no, but it is, yeah. It's it's one of them things. I, I know you kind of said it earlier on as well about, like, kids, because they are curious and they will touch themselves. And, like, I actually just by chance on a couple of weeks ago, I was in a shop and, like, that there was a young child. They had their hand down the front of their pants. And if the dad had got the kid out of the shop faster with a redder face, like mm. it would have been mm. an achievement. Because he was straight away like, "Don't be doing that! Don't be doing that. panic mode." Yeah. So even that reaction, in you know, if I'm picking up on that reaction, a kid who doesn't understand, yeah, is gonna be like, "Whoa, <laughs> what? what have yeah. I done wrong? Yeah. I'm wrong." Because yeah. kids, kids internalize messages like that. They don't separate their behavior from the criticism. They just hear, "I'm wrong." I'm yeah. bad. I'm. They don't go. What I just did there was unless parents really make that distinction. They don't. Kids yeah. don't. So they get that feeling, and then they get they build that shame. I mean, it's really it's really interesting. There's a couple of things. Um, there's a, a phenomenon. Oh, I wish I could. What's the name of it? Um, gratification disorder. Gratification disorder. Right. Oh, yeah. Is the clinical term for an infant masturbating. So it's given, it's been classed as a disorder for a start. Now, here's the interesting thing. It's often, it's more likely to be girls than boys. But we're talking as young as three months old. So this, this study's being done on kids as young as three months, up to, I think, five years. It tends to peter out after about two or three. I yeah. wonder why. Um, but what they're noticing is these children having what look like a kind of a seizure. Right. They're getting flushed in the face. Their breathing is going shallow. Their eyes are fluttering. And and they get they get misdiagnosed huge majority of the time as epileptic, these little children, these little babies, and they get medicated for epilepsy. However, if the person doing the investigation understands what I'm talking about, they will be able to do to to what you do is you video your child because you you can't get them to have a fit on yeah. cue. You video them and then the, the the professional will see the context in which it happens. It usually happens often in a car seat. It usually happens when they're falling to, falling asleep anyway. It happens at times when they're relaxed and they're soothing themselves. Turns out it's masturbation. So first of all, if you're lucky enough, 
which most people aren't, to find a professional who knows about this, they will, you will, your kid won't be diagnosed and treated for epilepsy, but they will be given the label of having a gratification disorder, yeah. which is just touching themselves. So the studies that I've read haven't said what happens then to the kids that are given that label. I don't know. Are they taught to, you know, the parents taught to, I, I, the impression I got was that the parents are taught to, you know, teach their children not to do that. Do you, do you think, though, that that kind of stuff, like, is... Because even now, I can feel myself being awkward, like, because it, it involves children. And I know it's it's not a sexualized thing because the children, they don't understand or whatever. It's a curiosity thing. But, I mean, if I'm feeling awkward, surely a parent then seeking help from a professional asking, like, what what is this kind of thing? If that professional doesn't know. So, I mean... And the parents uh, don't know because this, yeah. isn't, this isn't a well-known thing because most professionals are going to misdiagnose it. So it's not even a, you know... yeah. But I can I, see I, so the, the the discomfort the parent would feel at even being able to ask that. Yeah, because as yeah. I said, like I'm, oh, I'm, yeah, I'm yourself, I'm kind of like, Ugh, you know, because there is this anything to do with children straight away. You're kind of like, oh shit, hang on, you know what I mean? Yeah. But as I said, it's not a sexualized thing, so there would be a uh, well, I'd imagine for the vast majority of people, anyway, a huge amount of kind of this awkward. What of course, the child isn't doing that type of attitude. Yeah, yeah, like. But you're right, and, and actually I did my master's on chronic pain and, and sexuality, and um, there isn't a lot of research on it, that's why I did it, and, and a, but a, all the research says that, um, so this is adults with adults now, but yeah. you know, people with chronic pain from different illnesses or injuries, and they're saying that, you know, the, the research is absolutely overwhelming, that the, the people with the difficulty, whatever that happens to be, that mm-hmm. causes chronic pain, want to ask about their sexual the sexual side of their lives but they're too embarrassed the stuff you're just describing they're too embarrassed they're too ashamed and that they they are so worried that the professional will shame them and say sure aren't you lucky to be alive sure you just got over cancer what are you doing thinking about sex or you know you're you may be paralyzed but at least you're not dead this kind of thing what are you doing thinking about sure you're you're 75 and you're arthritic what are you doing thinking about Sex, yeah. so they won't say it to the professionals, and then the, when the professionals are asked, they say, "Oh, um, I'm very sure that if my client wanted to talk about sex, they'd bring it up." So I wait for the client to bring it up because I don't want to yeah. rock the boat or open the can of worms. So between the two of them, it doesn't get talked about. Yeah, mm-hmm. what kind of on a day to day basis, then? What what like does a sexologist do, or like the is it kind of people come into you and they talk or is it kind of you do educational stuff? Yeah, or? I do a mixture. I, I do a real mixture. I like that. Mm. So uh, the master's in sexology is like, it's like a master's in psychology only for sex. So I was already working as a therapist prior to that. If I hadn't been, I'd have had to go and train <laughs> if I wanted to be a therapist further. Yeah. It's it's a general, really solid master's. So you, you get trained in uh, education, therapy and forensic sexology which is the darker side of of sexu- sexology sexu- sexuality so sex crimes and you know right. the weirder stuff and then you can specialize in one of those i do sex therapy sex and relationship therapy i have a private practice i work with couples and i also work with individuals so i, I work with a broader range of people who mightn't feel they fit this relationship sex therapy okay bunch so i would work with people who have um, disabilities, people who are older, people who have um, are kinky or think they might be kinky and want to explore that. 
I work with people who are worrying about their orientation or worrying about their gender. Um, so, yeah, I work with quite a, a, an interesting um, array of people. Yeah. And then I train at third level um, and I teach other professionals how to be sex positive in their approach to, to the subject with their clients. Um, I write a bit. Um, I do the odd podcast. <laughs> <laughs> how, how would you help someone who is questioning their gender? Well, the first thing to say is, you know, sexology now knows that gender isn't a binary thing, whereas we've always been taught that it is. You're either yeah. male or female or confused. Actually, we know now it's a continuum. So it's society that puts the limits on it, not biology. So all these people who get born who are intersex or have ambiguous genitalia, so they might have both sets of genitalia or they might have a really huge clitoris that looks that could be mistaken for a small penis or the other way around. Um, they are still generally treated as uh, medical emergency problems that to be solved. But sexologists who are doing the research on this would be able to, to show that, that there's nothing wrong with them. They're just on the continuum. They don't yeah. need to be cured. They don't need to be fixed. They don't need to be treated with hormones. So that's around gender. And it's the same for orientation. It's actually... A, a continuum as well and if society didn't put all these constraints on us we would probably all be a lot more fluid um in being able to fall for the person in front of us rather than their gender you know well so even even telling people that in the first session can be a huge weight off mm. their shoulders they then have to decide if they can believe it I was going to say, do you think there's a thing maybe not even for people who who are seeking help but like even just people listening to this who when you say something like that and you say about like that, it, it can be fluid as opposed to this rigid kind of mm. like it's it's black or it's white situation. Do you think there'll be people who be like, it's rubbish, it's rubbish, and they dismiss it straight away? Like, of course, and yeah. Is that something that Irish society has or is it something that you think is just a larger aspect of people and trying to get people to kind of say like, no, look, just because it's been like that historically doesn't mean it has to be like that forever. Like. Well, I think it's a mixture of the two that, that you, you do get people who react negatively to um, to uh, current research because yeah. because they're invested in, 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 in believing something that keeps them feeling safe. You know, it's, it's, it's a human thing. Yeah. Unfortunately, the, the, the knock-on effect of it can be really um, excluding and damaging and hurtful to those who don't fit that rigid... Um, set of, of, of rules that's the problem with it but the reason people do it is usually out of fear um, yeah. you know so how do you help a person to not be afraid uh, for me it's education yeah. you know education and, and, and helping them to build confidence not shutting them down because then you're just doing what they're doing to the people who don't fit their pigeonholes mm. um, yeah so it's a very tricky but absolutely yeah you get you get challenged all the time with, with, with I, I've had you know, it amazes me how many young men come to me and want me to cure them from being same-sex attracted. Cure? Cured, cure. yeah. It's funny you mention that because my next comment was going to be, I watched a documentary, um, a gay um, Pakistani guy, a, a British actor, and he it was a BBC Three documentary and he went back to his homeland in Pakistan about mm. um, just getting people's um, opinions on... Get being gay and transgender and stuff and the reception in Pakistan and India was awful like going to his local kind of towns um, 
um, kind of like kind of like an archbishop for for the Islam, Islamic community, and he left a meeting with this. I can't. Remember, it's not archbishop. It's not the proper name, but um, sheikh or something like that. Mm. And he left the office. Iman, of the, I think. What is it? Iman. Iman. That's it. He left the the office of this person um, with medication, and yeah. said, "This is going to cure you from your sexuality." And but that's that's not just in because like, I know when some people hear Pakistan, India, they might think well, almost it's like alien place. I mean, if you look at America, even there's these things about pray, yeah. pray the gay away, like well, par- it's parents here. send their kids to camps, and it's it's here as well. Yeah, like not the camps and stuff, but no, it's but, coming. Yeah, yeah, that so, that. Uh, sorry, go on. So, no, I was just gonna say like it's that, coming. What? You, what's the name of that crowd? They were in the papers. They were on the. They were. They got a lot of media attention a few years ago. They go into schools. Baptist. No, no, they go into oh. schools. And they teach purity. Oh, I did. Yeah, you would this, have. You, yeah, this if, wasn't if, that long ago, no, was it? If, you yeah. can, if I can think of the name, you'll know, you'll yeah. remember. Oh, it's just gone out of my head. But they're a big, they're a big organized, they're Irish. Yeah. They were start. that was started by Irish teenagers who go and get all their funding from the Bible Belt in America, as far as I can tell. And then they come back here and based on having enough money behind them, they can offer free sex ed to schools and they go into over 100 schools in Ireland a year and they're teaching abstinence but they're teaching it from a religious point of view so they're teaching the sin element of of being sexual masturbate being ma- and masturbating and same sex relationships in fact i'm not even sure they can say the words because they might actually their tongues could turn into <laughs> satan's teeth i don't know how but are they allowed into our schools <coughs> they're free okay. <clears throat> but what why are our schools letting them in? Because they're free. And it's, it takes the onus off the school. The All they have to do is provide some kind of... Yeah. But do they not check what their kind of curriculum is? They have the parents in the day bef- the night before and go over what they're going to teach their children with, the, with parents. But you've got to remember, in the absence of anything, and in this day and age when parents are so afraid for their children, mm. and when it's what we were taught, I think some parents you know, hope for the best. They cling on to it as maybe this will keep my kids safe. I, I imagine that must be it. So this group of people probably hate you, do they? I have no dealings with them. Um, I'd love to. I, I did contact them at the time. I do this sometimes and offered to come and talk to them. I didn't hear back. Um, no. yeah. You know, so I, if I see people doing something that I feel is really um, damaging or incorrect I do contact them and ask them to speak to me but usually they don't so we went on that tangent based on uh, you saying that a lot of uh, young teenage boys go to you looking to be cured well now I, let's let's qualify that I'm amazed how many young men have come to me so far looking for it they're not teenagers they're older okay sorry yeah I'm 45 so I guess a younger man is anything from 33 down okay so um Possibly the youngest. The youngest was under 30 and the oldest was nearer 60. And I've had a mixture in between. But to me, that's younger than me um, mm. to be looking to be cured. They actually say they want to be cured. Yeah. Um, wow. I will I'll use that terminology yeah. quite early on so they know where I'm coming from and okay. they know what my stance is. So what I say to them in the first session is I am really not going to be able to cure you because I don't see there's anything wrong with what you're doing. Now, how you're doing it and how you're feeling about yourself, that is something we can definitely work on, but I'll be working towards you feeling good about it, not stopping it. 
Um, and that's astonishing. Usually it's a, a one session. They don't come back then. Because you do hear stories of of kind of married men with kids and the the relationship is broken down because the man has has come out as a homosexual. So it's like that rugby player, the Welsh rugby player as well. Uh, Gethin, R- Gethin Jenkins, is it? Gethin Jenkins, uh, Gareth Thomas. Gareth Thomas. He was kind of the first high profile, but you'd hear it around mm. like that it, that it has happened. So, th- it's a, yeah, it's a really interesting phenomenon. Actually, it's um, men who have sex with men but identify as straight is yeah. a, is a whole thing. So, unfortunately, they tend to be the people who have the most dangerous sex and put themselves at the most risk, and then they go home to their female partners. Um, they're in complete denial. So the, the sort of men that uh, have come to me and asking have asked me to, to cure them would be engaging in that kind of, of sex. They haven't come out to anyone. They're so ashamed. They hate the men they're having sex with and they hate themselves for having sex with men. It's all wrapped up in sin and guilt and, and self-hatred. So because they go into it with that much hatred in their hearts about it, they're like damned, if, you know, in for a penny, in for a pound. So they'll have absolutely unprotected sex with the guy that looks the, the, the you know the dirtiest and they will you know have hateful sex hurting mm. themselves you know um and and then they've kind of purged that for a while and then they go back to their their women would they be gay if they could be if they didn't have all of that internalized homophobia Possibly, are they fluid on the continuum? Do they should should they have to label themselves as anything? I don't think so. But are they afraid of society's think what society thinks of them, or are are they are they actual homophobics? Well, the interesting thing I've found I work with men and women who are trying to come to terms with their attraction and if it's same sex attraction, and the thing that they that I I have experienced and the research would back this up. The thing that people have to deal with the most is their internalized homophobia but that's the biggest mm. block for them now i think that's going to change with younger generations yeah you know i think though there's a lot of bullying around your orientation now there's also a lot of acceptance around it so i hope that that is that's going to change but certainly for people that i work with in that sort of slightly older late 20s upwards age bracket in regards to this particular thing it is it is the internalized homophobia, the, the, the fear and expectation that they're going to be ostracized, they're going to be abandoned, they're going to be ridiculed, they're going to be hurt and hated. And usually that isn't what happens in the no. end. Usually yeah. people around them are, at, at least the majority of them are supportive. It's like as well with the, um, the marriage referendum, that generation now of people, surely... The, the kind of mood will change and mm. the opinions will change and a lot more whether it be men or female will be a lot more comfortable in expressing their kind of sexuality and not afraid of what people think I really hope so yeah, who cares so, like yeah. I know um, I'm conscious of the fact that we're talking about a lot of kind of serious stuff but obviously <laughs> sex has you know a lighter more enjoyable form that's meant to be enjoyable anyway so it but also has that kind of weird... Can I just ask one more yeah. question on, in yeah, the darker kind of aspect of it before we kind of go? I just wanted to know a bit more about... Um, I suppose we had that case with um, Dwyer. Oh, yeah. With the, you know, he was getting off on 
the fact that he liked stabbing and stuff like that. Would that be something that would come into your line of work? And well, I, 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 I'm trained in it, so I can work with with people. I don't work with offenders. Um, that's my choice, but I understand it, and it was really unfortunate for the BDSM community that he linked himself to the BDSM community and labelled what he was doing with that poor woman as a a master-slave relationship. It wasn't. It was pure abuse, psychopathy at its best, and sadism. And there there wasn't anything there that would replicate any sort of a consenting adult relationship, which all healthy BDSM is based on. So he was linking himself to to bondage, was it bondage, domination, and what's the SM? Sadism, masochism. Thanks, I did try to learn. So that's kind of like, like Fifty Shades of Grey or um, what's that other oh, secretary Fifty or Shades of oh. Shite. <laughs> um, Secretary, great, great film, loved yeah, it. Yeah, that is a good film. Yeah. But Fifty Shades of Grey, again, it was really interesting because, you know, the movie came out the same time as the Dwyer case was happening. Yeah. So you'd all these, you know, probably literally millions of Irish people all, you know, having their brown paper covers on their books. and They'd all read the book <laughs> and they'd all got off on it. So many yeah. women, you know. And then the film comes out, it's like, oh, great, it's going to be a oh, shit, now it's connected to this Dwyer thing. That's, yeah, I'm really uncomfortable. Now what do I do? Because I was really tantalized. And, yeah, and, that, that's the point know, I was going to make. But for, now it means this. And yeah. I think it was a really difficult time for people. So for um, people who are kind of in that community or whatever. You see, they wouldn't they have anything thought, to do with Fifty Shades, you yeah. know, or with Graham Dwyer. Well, that's, yeah, I was going to say, because yeah. you probably did have people who are kind of curious and kind of saying like, yeah, mate, you know, I mean, I like that, so maybe I will go and check it out. And I probably broke out, but in the second this Grand Wire thing, if he's identifying with that straight away, there's going to be this stigma of, shit, no, I'm not identifying with that. Like, mm. I mean, so, you know, you've got to understand, he was he had several other relationships prior to the one with, um, what was her name, Elaine? Yeah. Elaine O'Hara. Um, whose life he took. And he did that with all of them. As far yeah. as I as far as far I read, I mean, I know no more of it about it than you guys, but as far as I read, he, he was married or he was in a long-term relationship with a woman and he used to bring a knife to bed with her and he used to, he used to want to stab her. And he used, this wasn't new and that was not when he was identifying as part of the BDSM community. Yeah. So you're going to have psychos throughout society. And it's a really clever way to um, find victims... Because that you're going to you can you can na- you can call yourself a master and you can find someone who doesn't really understand how it all works who's vulnerable which she was clearly vulnerable anyway yeah. and you can get away with it. However, there are psychos, you know, in all the nightclubs and all the you know not all of them but there are psychos walking around all the time who Everywhere, do horrendous yeah. horrible things, um, you know that don't end in a death so we don't hear about them who mm. have nothing to do with the BDSM community. But he was definitely, um, he was definitely not, put it this way, say you're interested in BDSM, there's a way of going about it. You know, yeah. you, you, you go online, you make contact with somebody, um, you go to a meetup, you get to talk to people, they're not dressed up, there's nothing going on, it's just in a pub for a couple of hours, and you meet up with them and you, you chat to them and you find out all about what you want to know without any anyone expecting anything from you and from there you might go to a, a one of these events and watch done the way they would prescribe it it's very slow it's very safe and there is absolutely no pressure and you're within a community 
they would automatically flag it if somebody is saying to you, let's not, let's not engage with the others. Let's yeah. do this on our own. They'd automatically be saying, why is somebody doing that? What, you mm. know? So there are a lot of warning signs and a lot of ways to do it safely. And if you contact people in the community and get references for them, there's very safe ways to do it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but there's also, you know, dangerous ways. Well, absolutely. Mm. Um, I suppose then to kind of, to shift the gear a little bit, <laughs> I guess, to, to BDSM, I suppose some people would say maybe it's a fetish or it sort of aligns with fetishes, maybe. But Maybe, doesn't have to. Yeah. Uh, there are some, I guess, stranger fetishes out there. Yeah. Um, which... I'm gonna say. Go say it. I can see. I can see (laughs) you've got one. Forties. Oh, I'm so glad you brought them up. They're my favourites. Do you know about these? No. I'll I'll let the expert talk. Are you? I think you should. You you do the introduction. I'll pitch in. I know. I I heard about this before. Is this a personal? Uh, no, no, it's not. No, <laughs> none of not this is personal. <laughs> this is all about our friends. It's all exactly. we're all friends here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> however, I, I did own a giant panda costume for quite a while. <laughs> beside the point, um, these are people who uh, I could be slightly mistaken because I'm, I'm not obviously you know okay with it, but they dress as. You know, like those sort of cat costumes or dog costumes you can get, or oh, I've seen the Channel Four documentary. Ones, yeah. not tight, not tight. Not, yeah, not like a cat suit. Not like you know, cat woman. We're talking like you know the type of shit. I've seen the documentary on Channel Four about it, and like they they go to these huge meetups and essentially they live like or they act like the particular animal or whatever they're dressed as for sexual gratification. Uh, but it's, it's a huge, huge. Thing. like I, I had no idea with the I thought that's about 15 weirdos somewhere like do you know what I mean but then you read about it and you're like maybe they're not weirdos or maybe it's not just 15 of them it's a whole a lot of them yeah like it's a it's a huge thing like mm, huge so let's thing. say let's say Danny there just used the language weirdos in your line of work you don't obviously think they're weirdos I use the language that my clients use if they like to be called weirdos I'll use I'll, use, I'll call them weirdos okay if they want to be called sinful and dirty and shameful I won't do that Okay. Um, so it depends on what it is. But that's the type of thing you'd have to pay three ninety nine on a telephone line for. Yeah, that's, that's, that's not my training. Um, no, I think I think um, weirdos would be a, a, a term I would try to avoid. In fairness, yeah, but that's my ignorance trying well, to trade. No, I just wanted to find out yeah, as no, well. Yeah. There's a really interesting thing though that Fifty Shades did. Um, it it kind of mainstreamed kink. Yeah, and um, a lot of people who are in the community. Not a well, a certain number of people in the community got really pissed off because they were being mainstreamed, and the whole p- part of the thing they get off on is being weird. And if it gets mainstreamed, if we all decided tomorrow to have absolutely no problem with any form of kink or BDSM, yeah. those kinksters may have to go and dis- and and d- develop something completely new to do because part of their thing is to be on the periphery or to be outside yeah, the yeah, norm. Yeah. For some of them, that's not, not the same mainstream. for them. <laughs> yeah. Hipsters. Hipsters, hipsters yeah. Hipsters. Sex hipsters. <laughs> yeah. But, but, yeah, like, so... Sorry, 40s. Uh, 40s, yeah. So, with, some, with something <laughs> like 40s, how are... Uh, I, don't, I don't know, I just... It's impossible for me, <laughs> at least, to kind of go, how, how is that arousing, like? So, what, what way would you browse? If somebody came to you and they said, like, that's 
I think that's my thing. Like, what, Well, why are like, they coming to me? Are they coming to me because they want to explore it? Are they coming to me to be cured? Are they coming to me because it's wrecking their relationship? You know, I work with the problem, not with the practice. So, okay, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. You know, so... It, it, that's that's I think for me that's that's really really important to make that distinction Mm. so if you come to me and you say you know I like to wear women's clothes and I um, do it on a Saturday night and I do it at home and I have my girlfriend over and we have a girly night and we do each other's nails and and you talking to him before this and um, it's his girlfriend and um, (laughs) my my initial thing won't be to go you know Where's the problem? Mine, yeah. I'll have to find out what's what's a problem for you. But okay, so it might be that you just don't know where to get big enough shoes. <laughs> In which case, I'll try and help you source yeah. them. Do you know? Yeah. Well, <clears throat> what if somebody came and he said, "Like, I, I really want to bring this up in my relationship." Would that be the kind of thing that people like? They're like, yeah. I, "I feel I'm ready to," but I don't know how to broach yeah. it. I don't know yeah. how to. So that kind of thing. Like, yeah, I would help with. I would help with that. Okay. Yeah, and that's a tricky one, you know. Yeah. You know, if you are, if you are, if you know you're kinky, yeah, and you're dating, the best advice I can give is tell your tell your prospective partner from the start, because trying to introduce that when you know you're kinky, and you're going to want kink and need kink in your sex life, and you're acting vanilla for a while to kind of reel them in and and get a relationship going, and then you try and introduce it, yeah, it's a really tricky one to negotiate because it, unless they've also been um, <laughs> kind of giving you, back yeah. <laughs> Odds are they're not kinky. But what if then the, the whole element of kind of like, oh, if I say it too soon, I'm gonna scare them. Almost yeah, like, yeah. Do you know that whole thing of kind of like, you know, you're, you're two dates in and somebody says the marriage word, you're like, oh, hang on. If you were two dates in and you bring up the topic of, I like me back scratched. Yeah, with uh, <laughs> cat of nine tails, like that that kind of thing. Surely that. Like, When's the, when would when would be a better time? To yeah, say when it? We, I, no, I did. That's what I'm when saying. When you've fallen like, in love, when you've moved in with each other, when you've spent money on each other's relation on the relationship, when you've at what point is your, is that person going to be less pissed off with you for you holding back? So my thing is, yep, I get what you're saying, and it comes down to everything, doesn't it? Like when we start dating, we all fake it. We all pretend to be, oh, I'm hilarious, and I never get annoyed with anyone, and yeah. I don't have road rage, and yeah, I never smell, I don't fart. Also, you know, we all do that. <laughs> I try really hard at that last one, but I fell miserably, if I'm being honest. Yeah. Well, you're probably better <laughs> off because people know what they're getting. But the bottom line is, why? what is it we're trying to do? Trick somebody into loving somebody we can't be long term? Yeah. If you think about it, it's kind of crazy. And it, so the, the it's unusual because we're taught to do that, to do the tricking. But mm. actually, if you tell someone in the first couple of dates what's going on with you, if you know that you're going to want, you're going to need to dress up as a woman couple of times a month if you know that's been your life and that's going to be your life you're better off telling them early before you've invested emotionally in them and before you've fallen for each other yeah and then you can walk away from it it's hard of course it's hard but anybody who is in that world and and do it successfully and date within it successfully that seems to be their feedback as well is get it out there early you know now if you're discovering you know 10 years into a relationship for yourself that you might be kinky or that you might want to try some different things that's a whole different mm. ball game so if it's a case that maybe like somebody's been in a long-term relationship and maybe things have gone a little bit kind of stale for mm. want of a better term one of the biggest problems there is yeah yeah at, at that stage then maybe it's kind of like well introduce something new for example yeah 
Yeah. And that works for a small number of people where the only oh. problem is that the sex has gone stale. But why has the sex gone stale? Yeah. Why are people not enjoying being sexual with each other? And that's the bit you have to really get a handle on before you start throwing solutions at yeah. them. So, yeah. you know, go out and buy buy yourselves a really nice sex toy and some lube and, you know, get your kids taken away for the weekend. Not by social services, obviously, but um, <laughs> unless they know what you might be planning to do with the sex toy, um, you know, get your get yourself some time. That's great if you really like each other yeah. and you just haven't at any time. But in my experience, there's usually more going on than just that. Yeah, just there's more outlining things going on. Yeah. Yeah, 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 it's you know, sex is a symptom of the relationship and and impacts the relationship. It works two ways. Yeah. Just on, on the whole sex toys thing. and I should have brought some, shouldn't I? I kind of went <laughs> off the eye. I wasn't sure. Yeah. <laughs> like, but I could have. Because obviously, uh, blokes, uh, I guess there's maybe, uh, I'm trying to find the right word here, but I can't. Uh, uh, st- I don't want to say stigma, but for a lot of things to do with even talking about sexual curiosity or mm. or exploring sort of kink and that kind of thing, Kind of for men, there's this almost pigeonhole that society has pushed that th- there isn't many options for them. Mm. So when it comes to sex toys, when, yeah. when you say sex toys, the automatic jump is to vibrators and you know st- stuff for mm. women. Mm. But Vibrator on your perineum is pretty good for men too. On your what? On your perineum. What is that? A uh, gooch. Yeah. All right. Yeah. yeah there you go. See, when you use the Barry Brack slang, that's <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we, you can be our translator. <laughs> yeah. I I know the language, but I have to use the clinical stuff. It's the professional. Yeah. You have to, you know. And I, I'm here to to break down that professionalism. Help. Well, thank you for that. I appreciate it. The language well, I use with you tonight may not be the language I use in my own world either. But on the street, yeah. the street language. Yeah, because yeah. that's where I talk about sex mainly. Just on the street, come on, punting. Yeah. So. And we're back to that. <laughs> <laughs> but like, in terms of sex toys and that, like, I, I don't know. I would imagine for most people, you know, if if, if they're in, if, if it's a boy-girl relationship and, you know, a vibrator is introdu- introduced to the situation, you know, I can't imagine it being a big deal. But... If a Depends bloke, on the size of the vibrator. Yeah, well, if it's the hammer of Thor and, you know, it's <laughs> it's it's built out of bricks, then there's going to be a problem. But, like, <laughs> for blokes, though, like, if it's a case that they suddenly whip out a sex toy, it's kind of, sorry, why have you got a rubber vagina? Or, you know, because there isn't really... The, mm. the, the, the fleshlight, I suppose, is the main one for me. I don't even know what's out there other than... And some of the lads, I think, would be, some guys would be like... Uh, what do you need that when you have me? Wouldn't they? Yeah, yeah. well, that's what I was going to say. Is there... Uh, I don't even know what I'm trying to get can at. You you're, you're, can you're saying you vibrate your penis at that speed? No. <laughs> I've never tried. Point. <laughs> yeah, I've never tried. <laughs> um, but you're saying that it's it's very healthy to bring sex toys into this, into your sex life. It's really healthy to bring sex toys into your sex life if if it's good for you both it's not a good yeah. thing to do so here's the thing what often happens there's this macho-ness though do you know what I mean to, yeah. the, to the lads where they're like 
what the hell do you need them? You've got me, what do you yeah. need them for? And it's a misunderstanding of what sexual arousal is, how it works and what the female sexual... See, all the focus on any any education we get is from porn and chick flicks, right? Mm. We don't get it from anywhere. It's all, And that's all bullshit. That's like watching The Fast and the Furious and then thinking you can drive. It is not real. You're going to get yourself into a lot of trouble. And, and people do. Um, so... But we've nothing else to go on, so it's very difficult. So, you know, there's the human element to it. But, we, you know, the reality is the majority, vast majority of women are not going to orgasm through um, penetrative sex. They orgasm through external clitoral stimulation. Um, they may orgasm through penetration and clitoral stimulation. But this idea that you see in porn and that you see in, in, in chick flicks where, you know, it's... A woman is immediately wet. The minute she sees a penis, it's like, ha ha, yes, this is what I've been waiting for my whole life. A penis the size of my arm. And I just can't wait to get busy with it. And I'm completely wet and ready to go. That's just nonsense. I mean, they edit. It's all, you know, there's, there's, yeah. there's a lot that goes into making a good, if you can call it good, porn movie. And and um, and the, the chick stuff. I mean, you know, the reality is a woman's arousal cycle is way longer than a man's arousal cycle. But everything is focused on male f- sexual pleasure, so which is quicker. So it's more exciting. It makes a better film. They're not going to watch, you know, it can take a woman up to 40 minutes to have an orgasm, right? Mm. They're not going to show that. In a, that would be like half of a film mm. and just of a guy going, doing the exact same thing and not deviating for a second. And her just going, don't move, keep doing it. Don't, don't, until, you know, 40 minutes. That's exhausting and boring. So nobody's going to watch that. But what we're left with then is we don't know the truth. Yeah. So a guy needn't be challenged or or um, worried about a woman having a vibrator because his penis cannot be replaced. It's still going to be doing what it does. But the vibrator works on the external, on the clitoris at the same time. So it's not a replacement. It could okay. never be a replacement. And any woman who uses her, who uses, who enjoys partner sex is going to tell you that there's nothing that can compare to a hard penis you know mm. if that's what if that's what her thing is unless of course she's she might be same sex attracted or she mightn't be into hard penises there's a huge array of people and yeah. what is an orgasm like scientifically speaking jesus okay <laughs> <laughs> well it's a build-up it's 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 a build-up of first of all you get um a build-up of blood to the genitals you get a build-up of blood flow. So the penis gets, um, that's all just blood. There's no bone in a penis. I just want to be clear about that. That might be really obvious to you, but I get asked that by guys my own age um, because you hear of penises getting broken and that kind of thing. That's a whole, I can t- tell you about that, but there's no bone so, in a penis. So it's just blood. Penis getting broken. broken. Yeah, it's the wrong term, but it's the term that gets used in the media. Um I'll explain that now in a minute. I don't know if I want it to no, be. No, I don't want it to be. Well, it's good to know, though, that if you're say, having yeah. vigorous, if someone, if someone's sitting on you and going up and down on your penis vigorously, yeah, that's quite dangerous because if they, if they pull, if they go up high enough that you are no longer in them, and then they slam down on your penis, it can actually bend rather than go inside them again. Now, this can be the same for vaginal or anal sex. Yeah. And that is the biggest cause. So that causes um, a tear in the penis on the inside, which then can, as it heals, can cause, you can get calcification on the side that without the tear. These are tiny. You wouldn't see these on the outside, but it really hurts. And that can actually, over time, if you don't get it 
sorted and most men don't get these things sorted they're very bad at that really embarrassing um, the penis can then develop a, a, a bend in it which is called Peyronie's disease and you can get a, you could it can really bend like really badly to a position where you can't pee or you certainly can't have sex Ooh. I mean that's the extreme but yeah. even just a bit of a bend oh, it can be very uncomfortable yeah imagine, right? it can be uncomfortable and guys get self-conscious about it and it depends how it bends too you know sometimes a bend a certain bend can be quite um you know appealing to a uh, to women because it can be getting them on their g-spot but that, you know you're not going to want to does the g-spot exist oh yeah it does yeah it does but it depends when you go looking for it um, do you see how I've deflected from asking the question about orgasms? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And good. now I've pointed it out. That's, this, 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 that's what this show is all about, tangents. So there is, so there is it's a build-up of blood, a build-up of hormones, a build-up of, of, of um, everything gets engorged and, um, and then you get an explosion of these different hormones and a release. For men, it's really interesting because um, for men, the, um, erect, the ejaculation and the orgasm are not the same thing. They just usually happen at the same time. So there's a mistake in thinking that they're the same thing. But actually men can separate them. So men can have orgasms without erections. Men can have can ejaculate without erections. It's trickier, but they can. And men can have loads of pleasure without erections. Um, and men who, have, who struggle with rapid ejaculation, working with me and, and when I, I teach them to slow down and teach them to, relearn, to retrain their arousal cycle, will often report back that they're experiencing what may be their first orgasms because the ejaculation happened so quickly they'd no time to build up any arousal so it's just literally a mechanical response to a, a physical stimulus it's not the same as an orgasm so when you say you teach them to kind of retrain or slow down their mm. their arousal system mm. like, what do you mean by that like so you know how we were talking about earlier about how shame how easy it is to shame kids from master for masturbating mm. so the majority of guys grow up in a household where they do not want people to know they're masturbating. Yes. Right? Some have really, you know, have more reason to worry about it than others. But most guys learn to masturbate quickly and quietly whenever possible, you know. So what they're doing actually at that early stage is they're, they're training their arousal cycle to be to, to be what it is when they're masturbating. So if you masturbate, you're like, oh, I'm going to, you know, pop one out quickly now before the folks get home. I have three minutes. And then you're like, oh, I'm knackered. I'd love a wank now before I go to sleep. And it's three minutes. Yeah. And you, you know, and you, you start having these three minute or two minute or one minute wanks and you get really good at them. Um, you may bring that into partner sex because partner sex is more exciting than your hand more visually stimulating it's got all that other stuff going on so if you're already excited and you have trained your arousal cycle to be so fast and you have a propensity towards rapid ejaculation which we now know some men have that some men don't Mm. odds are you are going to find yourself in a lot of difficulty you may be um, ejaculating before you even pull your pants down right so before you've even been touched or it's or you've freed the beast (laughs) it's already it's already so kind of yeah. like that scene from American Pie, I think. American Pie. Yeah. Yeah. Because as we know, men are just, once they get an erection and can stick it in something, that's all they need. <laughs> you're that simple. It really, I, I'm really offended on behalf of men when I, when I that, that's just so ingrained in us really? to believe about men. And it's so wrong and it's so yeah. What's the disrespectful. Right thing? 
The right thing is to slow down and get to know each man in front of you, isn't it? Rather than assuming that, that how offensive that is to so many men who certainly don't want to. I mean, let's look. Men wake up naturally with erections. Men have about six erections through a tw- through the the night. You don't wake yeah. up with all of them by any means. You might wake up with one in the middle of the night if you go to the loo or whatever. You certainly, at a younger age, tend to wake up with them in the mornings. Um, do you want to be sexual every morning with that erection just because you have an erection? Or have you been trained to think, oh, erection, I should do something with this now? Mm. It's really the latter. Because yeah. most men, if you actually speak to them and they can calm down and get past having an erection to begin with, and, so, and you can get them, they'd be like, yeah, no, I don't even feel sexy in the morning when I wake up. I'm just awake. And, yeah. you know, if I start touching myself, then it becomes sexual. Or if I get touched, but if it's just waking up with an erection. So there's proof for a start. But but it's, it is this idea that, um, and I think it leaves men in a very difficult situation where you're not supposed to have sexual needs so much, you know, because you're so simple. You can't actually... Yeah. You know, give yourself a space to go, how do I like to be touched? Yeah. How do I like to be kissed? How do I like to be flirted with? How do I like somebody to seduce me uh, and slow it down and actually have needs and be able to state them? That's kind of a another thing that men struggle with from a stigma perspective, yeah, I, I think. I was going to say, because we, we kind of touched on it before we start recording. That's probably the wrong choice of words given the topic. Um, <laughs> we, we were kind of saying if you were touching <laughs> it I certainly didn't notice <laughs> <laughs> and that's me back in my place uh, <laughs> back in your box as for the, for, for well the table is high it wasn't an insult it was nothing to do with you it's, it's a very high table um, but the kind of men maybe don't have as big or as many channels for an outlet for this kind of discussion yeah, or to explore these kind of topics yeah. and that kind of thing. So is it a case of just kind of telling people like, look, talk about it. Grow up you know? and just... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Choose choose the people carefully. Mm. You know, Irish people love a laugh. We have to laugh. It's part of our thing. But we have to be careful sometimes around this stuff because the bottom line is lots of people have had bad experiences. Most people have had bad experiences on yeah. one level sexually at some point. So humor will shut people down if they've had that experience, whereas it'll open them up if they haven't. Yeah. So it's a tricky one. It's a, and it's one you can't possibly get right all the time. So I would say pick your people carefully and perhaps even check with them first. Would this be a topic you'd be interested in talking about? Because I've known to talk to or, you know, and and do it carefully. Mind yourselves because it's all very well and good for me. I can talk to anyone about sex. That's what I do. So I have a, an excuse, you know. Yeah. But it's not like that for most people. I thought women all talked about sex to each other. It turns out they just talk to me about sex. They don't talk to each other. So my good friends only yeah. talk to me about sex. I thought they all talked to each other the way they talk to me. Yeah. They don't. And I've learned that more and more in my work that women have this machismo as well now around yeah. sex. Really? I thought the girls loved it. There you go. Have a chat. Sex I guess some women, some do and some don't. Yes. Sex. Yeah, but are they being honest? Because a lot of the women I speak to, now I speak to people who have a problem or a worry or a concern. Um, so I'm sure there are a lot of people out there who don't have this. But yeah. those women don't talk to anyone. They don't talk to their friends. They're embarrassed. They're too ashamed to say, I don't orgasm or I'm, I don't lubricate. Or, you know, they're two of the big problems for women. And the two problems for men, biggest problems for men are rapid ejaculation and erectile difficulties. And... You know, how do you talk about that? 
how do you bring that up? Yeah. If you had a difficulty like that, how would you in the pub with your friends? That's what I'm saying. You know, yeah. pick it. Pick it's your a, it's time. It's not really pub talk, is it? it like it, it, it should be perhaps, but perhaps, it's probably not. Yeah. Like you worked, um, you were Turberty, Ryan Turberty's kind of uh, agony aunt. No, I was his clinical sexologist. Clinical sexologist yeah, his, for... His resident sexologist I was introduced as. On 2FM, wasn't it? Yeah. So a lot of people would have texted in um, queries, questions, comments and stuff. What would, like, anonymously, what would be the most kind of common thing with male and females? Yeah, so for like, men... What was your experience of, of that? Well, I mean, this is this is global, and my experience backs it up. The most common f- is rapid ejaculation and erectile difficulties for men, not being able to orgasm and painful sex for women, and desire discrepancy within couples. In other words, one person has a higher desire than the other. They are, uh, you know, they are universal issues. Yeah. Um, the thing that underpins any relationship issue around that is poor communication. Inevitably, communication skills need to be learned. Um, because things, the thing is only the problem isn't the problem; it's how you approach the problem that's the problem, right? Yeah. Or don't approach it, or avoid it. I just put head in the sand. Head in the sand is one way to do it. Um, that lie that people tell themselves: if they have a problem, they'll tell me about it, even if the problem may be more with you with yourself. And there's also a terrible feeling of guilt and shame and embarrassment. You know, my God, I didn't get an erection for the third time in a row, and my my partner started crying and they thought it was me. They think I don't fancy them anymore. They thought it was them. They think I don't fancy them anymore. It's a really common response. Mm. And so he's there eaten up with this, feeling terrible for making the partner feel terrible. The partner's eaten up with it because they're like, oh my God, I'm not attractive anymore. Yeah. And those two things, if you're not great communicators, will put you in your own boxes. They'll They'll separate you into your own corners rather than you know, let's talk about this. You don't know how yeah. to. It's it's funny, right? Because we were saying um, throughout throughout the chat that you know the Irish society uh, perhaps is a, is a bit intimidated about talking about sex in an open kind of forum. Um, but having said that, when I used to listen uh, t- to yourself on Tuberty um, FM or t- sorry Two <laughs> FM, the Tuberty Show on Two FM, um, I think uh, whatever the, the a lot of time was. It always, Turbidy would always finish up your slot with, we've we, um, kind of astonishingly ran out of time, but there's loads of questions to be asked. Yeah. So I'm just wondering, we were saying that like, yes, people are possibly afraid to talk about it, but the time that you were allotted on uh, 2FM, I mean, there was question after question after yeah. question. There was times where they kept you an extra 15 minutes because yeah. of the questions, the questions, the questions. So yeah. what, like, what does that mean? Well, that's really, you know, we've got to remember that the reason I was brought on that show, we've got to remember, like you're going to remember. The reason I was first <laughs> brought on that show was because this guy rang up and he was like, I, I want a gold star um, system with my wife because my kid has one. I call her contraception. She's seven. My wife uses her as a buffer between us. We, do, we no longer have sex. I am the perfect husband. I do all the washing, all the, the ironing, all the cleaning, all the everything. And I feel that when my I see when my daughter does a load of good things, she gets stars and then she gets a treat. I want my wife to start that system for me and I want sexual treats at the end. There's nothing I can do to to get her in the mood anymore, blah, blah, blah. What can I do? So um, 
Tuberty was like, uh, I didn't even hear this. Somebody told me, oh, you should, you should write into them about that because it was, it was really, you know, interesting about sex. So I, that's what happened. I did, and then they had me on the show. But basically, he gave a false name. He, Tuberty was like, he was telling, he was saying, my wife's really private. She's a really private person. She's come through cancer. Her mother has died. All this stuff, and he was like, she doesn't tell anyone this stuff. She bottled it. And he's like, Tuberty's like, you're on national radio telling everyone about your wife's secrets how yeah. do you think she's going to react to that and he was like i've given a false name nobody's going to know who i am and then you heard his phone ring while he was on and it was his wife phoning him from college because she knew he was on the radio that's how quickly word had got wow. out when he went to his local shop on his way home the shopkeeper called him by the fake name he'd given that's how quick Jesus. it was so this was a friday Did Never heard. This was a Friday. They gave him a weekend. We gave him a weekend away. This was a band-aid over a chasm thing. The weekend away was not going to fix that. Like, he really fucked up. Yeah. And so on the Monday, they had me back on. He, there was such a catch-up. How was your weekend? He was like, it didn't go so well. You know, we're in talks. It's not great. And so then they had me on to comment. But that was the last time anyone ever phoned in um, for the two years I was on that show. No text. ever phoned in. So I think... Texts, you know, yeah, people are brave with texts and emails, and it's wonderful that they are because yeah, they're getting it, something out yeah, and getting it answered. But when it comes to talking about it and being known, I think that's we. You, we I think we've a lot, a, a long way to go. It's there mad still. how we use um, the daughter as an as an, um, an example, almost of his jealousy. Mm. You know, the seven year old daughter is getting gold star treats. I get mm. nothing because he I thought he was being it. funny. He thought he was. He thought he was on the show being this perfect yeah, husband I'll, and being funny and about it. Yeah. Um, I didn't take it that way. Some people did. I found him actually. I. I, I was. I, you weren't happy, no. I wasn't happy with the way his approach. No, there was no introspection. There was no what you know. So my response was: no matter how much ironing you do, if you're shit in bed, she's not going to want to have sex with you. You know. Have yeah. you looked at that? Have you asked her what she needs? Have you asked her why? Talk. You know. You see, even, like, even because the first thing that kind of stood out when he said it there, like, was that he said he wanted a gold star system, that if he hits whatever amount of stars, that he wants a sexual treat. So, straight in my head, I was going, like, so he sees that as, like, a duty or a job for her. Yeah, like a bartering system. Yeah. Yeah. What's that about? What's he saying about his wife? Rather than, like, sort of being, like, yeah, this is something we're both going to get. Yeah. We're, gonna, we're both going to get something out of like yeah. no no we'll get 10 gold stars on the fridge and then it's upstairs with the two of us and I'm having me fun like yeah mad can um, yeah can people be addicted to sex really good question I'm fascinated by this one I think sex addiction is massively over diagnosed in Ireland I think it's almost o- over diagnosed over diagnosed I think it's almost like the new ADHD you know where kids who are off their faces on sugar get diagnosed and medicated it's like social control that's crazy it's going on yeah. everywhere in this country i used to work with children a lot and it's devastating i of course there are people who really suffer with it but there are so many people getting diagnosed who, who don't have that and i think this is another thing i think people are cashing in professionals are cashing in on providing a service to sex addicts and in inverted commas when the person is either just having some difficulties with their own sexual life and needs and and or they're acting out they're acting like dickheads 
And then they're saying, oh, I'm a, I've got an addiction. No, you're a dickhead. There's a difference. There's addicts and there's, a, there's dickheads. And I think there's, I think there's a lot of that going on. Do you think that are, are But yes, I think you can be addicted to sex. Sorry. Would they go to you with a sex addiction? Sex, I, I have had a couple of inquiries from sex addicts. Is it treated um, the same way as kind of... Oh, God, it's treated in Ireland now. Like I don't know how everybody treats everything mm. in Ireland by any means, but somebody came to me who had been treated for sex addiction by the 12-step program. And that is a very common approach to sex addiction. And Sounds it like is, the alcoholic anomalous. It's, it's exactly yeah, that 12-step yeah, 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 program, yeah. yeah. It is absolutely crazy. And he had been taught that any masturbation was acting out so th- their idea is abstinence it's absolute abstinence that's not healthy short so what, what you know you can't treat it's like um there are food addicts i guess you can't tell somebody to never eat again and they're cured yeah there, there, there's a difference between like having a wank and shooting up a heroin like a heroin addiction is completely different to sort of saying i'm gonna stick on porn hub and you know rub one out like yeah so, exactly. I'm not trying, sorry. I know that's a bit crude. Sorry, no, no. Graham, but like, no, you're spot on. That, that but so, the, so the person who came to see me had been told that anything he did in relation to his sexuality was acting out, and he wasn't able to keep working with me for any length of time because I was not. I was saying that I can't agree with that diagnosis. That's I don't madness. For it. Like, I don't understand. So who diagnosed him with that? Then <sighs> he'd been on so many programs he'd been to loads of therapy he'd been on a residential so if you go to a GP and you say to your GP I think I'm addicted to sex where would they refer you? God knows most of the time they would just want to get you out of their office as quickly as possible mortified in an ideal who world who knows where they would send them in an ideal world and there was more of you in the country would the GP then refer them to people like yourself? I would hope so I mean there's a lot of acting out sexually, which isn't okay. There's a lot of um, addictive behaviours associated with sexuality. I, th- there are, you so know. that be like manipulation and that kind of stuff? Or well, so, so in order for something to be an addiction, my understanding of it would be that they, it has to be wrecking your life. It okay. has to be um, impacting your life and the lives of those close to you. You have to be spending an inordinate, inordinate amount of time planning your next sexual encounter. You have to be taking risks with your health and with your money and with your good name. There are a whole load of behaviours that go with a sexual addiction, if so that's so what you that, want to call that, it. That might be like sort of potentially people using prostitutes, people yeah. using alcohol. Okay. Yeah, exactly. And planning it like online constantly. They have their they have a hit, they have a sexual encounter, and they're on to the next one almost yeah. straight away. So they're not they can't function properly. Now then, there's porn addiction, and that exists. Yeah. Definitely. And that's a newish phenomenon as well because porn is, is so easily accessible. But what that does, porn, watching porn now, porn addiction didn't exist until we had high-speed broadband. <laughs> it's really interesting. Um, and they reckon it's the clicking. Um, so scientifically, when you get a, a rush from seeing a gorgeous person, you get a dopamine hit. Mm. which makes you feel great, makes you feel powerful and like you can take on the world, take on that beautiful person. When you have high-speed internet and you have porn on on your computer or your phone, 
people, the way people watch porn now is they tend to have more than one window open and they tend to flick from one scene to another because they don't wait to watch the boring bits. They don't need to. They can just go to another window and they can have the exciting bits happening. They they don't bother with the pizza being delivered anymore. Exactly. Exactly. So every time they do that, they flick to a new scene, they get another dopamine hit. That's addictive. Okay, so the, the, the constant, because it's so readily available and everything else, the constant sort of new browser, new window, new whatever, it's just hit of dopamine after dopamine. And exactly. That's an easy access. That, yeah. That's So your brain's your brain excited, like, yeah. your arousal cycle connects to that, so your arousal cycle starts, your penis starts going, I need like seven dopamine hits in a row to get erect. So younger and younger men are discovering, are, are developing erectile difficulties. So, so, that, so that's potentially damaging them for, for yeah. not, not just like... We're talking a lot of porn use and, and yeah. the, the clicking. So there's a really good thing at TED Talk called The Great Porn Experiment. And it's this guy and he's collated information from all over the world. Now it's a few years old by now. There may be better research. But he was saying that um, they, they wanted to study these college guys and they wanted to find a control group to compare them to and they couldn't for a start because they couldn't find any college guys who didn't watch porn so they couldn't find a control group to compare which was interesting in itself but he said that um there were guys who had erectile difficulties um and who watched an awful lot of porn and they were all different ages because they couldn't get the college control group they were using different ages and they had guys in their 50s who got erectile problems and guys in their early 20s with erectile problems, and they, they, they all reckoned it was due to their particular use of porn. And they discovered that the guys... So you have to, you have to stop watching porn. Right. Um, and your erections come back, because the dopamine, you, you retrain that that's not... Just as an aside, if you are doing that with your brain, watching porn, and then you try to be with a real human being, you're going to get one dopamine hit. That's why you yeah. get erectile problems with partners, but not when you're on your own. It's a kind of expectation for reality kind of thing, is yeah. it? Yeah. Well, Real. it's just a chemical thing. Yeah. You want to you want to be seeing you know your your the woman you're with or the man you're with or the person you're with or the furry you're with would need to be would need to be you know doing something extraordinary every couple of seconds, and even then you're probably not going to get the same hit as you get from your yeah. your, your scene change. Um, what they discovered was the men who had been had erectile difficulties in their 50s who had developed their porn use before the internet recovered in three months their erections and the guys who had only ever had fast speed internet took them at least twice as long to recover there wow. because their brain was still was our brains are plastic but it, yeah. their brains were still developing as they were doing this to themselves so it was harder for them to learn a new, for the brain to, to learn a new pathway. And surely with the availability of it as well, I can only imagine that like, I mean, smartphones, laptops, tablets. Yeah. It's everywhere. Six-year-olds. So what the, what are we creating? What's going to happen? I'm seeing younger and younger men with erectile difficulties. And then, and so what goes with watching a lot of porn yeah. is often isolation, staying in your bedroom. Now I'm talking a lot of porn, not like. You know, an hour a day or, you know, a few hours a week. I'm talking about possibly five, six hours a day. What? But it's different for every guy. So, you know yourself, some people have their first drink and they know they're an alcoholic. They know yeah. that that's the love of their life and others, no, no effect. This isn't be, you know, it's going to be different for everyone. But 
with that comes isolation, depression, anxiety, social anxiety, sleeplessness, all these things. So kids go to their doctors. I've got all these symptoms. The doctors will never ask what your porn use is. And then they prescribe them medication that's going to make their erections even worse. And is porn addiction something that's predominant with males? Yeah. 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 That's not surprising, really, is it? No, it's not. You've got a lot more... Uh, history to it you've been you know it's been acceptable for guys for a lot longer girls are only just beginning to sort of and it's really interesting young girls and young guys guys watch porn to learn how to behave to learn what to do and girls watch porn to learn how to look while it's being done to them jesus that's wow yeah like the message for girls uh, who are watching it more and more the message is very very bad very damaging it's all about her getting her worth from how satisfied he's going to be. That's the scene. That's the that's yeah. the premise of all porn. With um, with sex addiction, addiction. Uh, sex. Sorry, with sex addiction. Good night, and um, say sex workers. So, what is your kind of opinion about sex workers? Surely, if there was a time where, say, let's say we legalize sex workers. And we kind of just said, yes, there's... And we diagnose sex addiction properly. Would would that be a kind of avenue where uh, sex workers could help people that are addicted to sex? don't know if I said that properly, but... Could sex workers in, in the right environment help people who are addicted to sex? Yeah. I don't think this, the help is to have sex. I think the help is to manage the emotions that you're avoiding through having sex. Okay. So there's often, there's great, great research linking um, neglect to people who, who become sex addicted in adult life. Um, and it's again, back to that self-soothing sometimes. If a child is left alone, a little, we're talking little infants, and they're left alone, they're not minded when they cry or whatever they self-soothe they find ways themselves and often they will it'll be genital touch if they can if they can if they wear nappies or whatever it's different but they will often be drawn to that any child often is but if they're left on their own they will often develop a pattern in their brain that tells them this is soothing so when i'm anxious when i'm alone when i'm scared touching myself in this way because they have to find something to soothe them or they just die do you know what i mean so it's a it's a coping mechanism but without any awareness they can bring that up into adult life then so whenever there's anxiety whenever there's a raised concern or energy for them that's where they'll go to to lower it to soothe it and that's why it's continual because we're always being stressed um so it's really interesting to to look at the links but i think whether it's drink or gambling or sex i think the point is to learn how to manage the feelings that you're avoiding okay. rather than um, keep doing the behavior. So where would, um, where would legalizing sex workers come into society? Like, would you be for or against that? I'm for it because I think it can be policed better. It could be taxed. It could be monitored. You are always, it's not in the countries where it's, decriminalized like in australia it's decriminalized i went to a huge brothel and had a tour of it and that was a real that was really interesting um it is still is, is it legalized in all states in australia it's 
it's decriminalized, decriminalized which is the same. I'm never quite sure what the difference, difference is, yeah. but it's not quite the same as legalized. Um, but anyway, they, um, anyway, I think it does help. I think it, there's always going to be people who are looking for kids and looking f- to abuse people and looking for stuff that is, it should always be illegal. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, it's not going to cure that because there's, you know, that's not, that's not acceptable really now. But the more underground it is, the more those lines get blurred because it's like that thing with the guys who are having very dangerous sex in for a penny and for a pound. If you're going to be damned for going to, you know, an empowered woman who enjoys sex, of which there are a small number within the sex industry, what's the difference? If you're going to be ostracized and and damned for that, why not go for a younger kid or somebody who might have been trafficked or it's all dreadful, yeah, do you know? Yeah. So I think it, it gets people off the hook sometimes when it's all underground. Mm. So I think it would help with that. I think it would help for people to be able to go, I go to an ethical brothel, you know? It's like with porn. I love porn. I'm a great, uh, I love watching porn, but I watch ethical porn. I don't watch porn where I'm thinking, is she okay? Yeah. What's going on here? Yeah. They don't seem to be using condoms, you know? So I watch porn where where um, the people are having real orgasms, where I can actually learn something on how to be a good lover, and also where I know everybody's really enjoying themselves. And I think that could happen if there was legalized sex work as okay. well. We're running out of time, which is a real pity, because I feel like we've only kind of scratched the surface with a lot yeah. of stuff on this. But kind of one of the things that I guess I'm taking from all this is that you hear people talk a lot about how we need to look after our mental health and talk about our mental yeah. health as well as our physical health but yeah. kind of the impression I'm getting from this is that it's not just a kind of like sexual health isn't just an STI sexual health is spot on so well said about like. time yeah yeah so we're so it's such a, a it's such a it's so short sighted to think you're teaching sexual health when you're teaching people how to you know abstain from being sexual or to use condoms yeah you know it's, we know it doesn't work um, we know that we we need more. We need respect and we need confidence and we need skills in, in many areas to be sexually healthy. And now they can they no longer um, they no longer explain health as the absence of disease. Disease it's because that is the preventative thing. Mm. So if you don't have an STI, you're sexually healthy. Well, Graham Dwyer probably didn't have a sexual disease. You know, it's just not, yeah. it's a nonsense. So, but yet we still focus on, you must use a condom. You must learn about these STIs. And um, I think people are, are drenched in it. I don't think we can take it in anymore. Yeah. I think it's the same for young people. I think they'd rather start with the message of sex rocks. That's why we do it. That's why no matter how much we're told not to, no matter how much trouble we're going to get into, we're still going to be sexual in whatever shape that takes because it's fucking great. Yeah. Now let's see how to do it in a way that's going to make you really happy. Except for John Kellogg. Who's he? Who's he? That's just a recall to a previous chapter. Oh, John Kellogg, the man who invented cornflakes. What about him? He, oh, brilliant. Oh, he was, he was very anti-masturbation, wasn't he? That's why cornflakes exist. They're so fucking bland because he was like, do you know what? There's only one way to kill that morning horn and that's by eating a bowl of cornflakes. And he himself, like, he completely abstained. He I have to say, there stuff, are like, times when the, the the idea of a bowl of cornflakes with cold milk gives me a horn. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, 
Sometimes nothing else will do. Yeah. That was a fair point, yeah. <laughs> That's left you red-faced. <laughs> but you know, around that time, they were, in, they were in horrible devices they used for, oh, to, yeah. for like kids that, to that, stop them masturbating. That, that kind of cross thing? Well, that's a is joke. It, is it actually a joke? Thank God I had to research that, yeah. yeah stop, I didn't. stop your child from self-raping, isn't it? Yeah, and they're like on this like, almost on a, cross. On a cross, yeah. It's, thing, it's yeah. taking the piss out of the... I, Christian right. I did see something. So that is their message. They don't they don't nail kids to crosses quite yeah. yet. <laughs> Not so yet. <laughs> I do remember seeing actually a film uh, with Liam Neeson in it where he played a doctor. I was gonna say Quincy, but that was the medical woman. That's got I don't know, that's I'm just dredging stuff away in my brain. He basically played this doctor who uh like that he was I think a sex therapist or something like that. But he was told basically all through his childhood and all that like no don't touch yourself don't touch yourself don't touch yourself that kind of thing and that's what brought him to it and I'm raging I can't think of a film it's a, a, sh- a film it's a, a film. Liam Neeson film yeah I'm 99% certain Liam Neeson is in it wow. you're not mistaken it with Dr. Phil are you no it's definitely not Dr. <laughs> Phil there are so many th- I, got, I, get, I get asked about swinging sometimes as well oh yeah um, Kinsey sorry oh Kinsey oh, oh yeah Kinsey. okay yeah. I see yeah now he's a ball hair <laughs> well yeah <laughs> Kinsey. Kin- Sorry, <laughs> Liam Neeson, Kinsey. That's the film. Yeah, K I N S Y, isn't it? Uh, K I N S E Y. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of dodgy stuff around how he collected his data. A lot oh, of questionable yeah. stuff around kids and yeah. Oh, he's one of them. Sorts. Well, we don't know, but don't mm. know, but there's certainly research collated in a dodgy way. It seems to me. Ah, um, the okay. Kinsey Institute's still going strong and does great research and is still very well thought of. Yeah. However, we're you know there are questions around how they got a lot of their information. You were saying there about swingers. Oh, you're saying you know because in Ireland, when I get asked about swingers, because of the whole anonymity thing and how difficult it is to be anonymous in Ireland, I said, you know, keep that in mind. You could, and it, the thing that always comes back to me is when I was in Australia, which isn't a small place, but the communities are small. And when my teacher was saying that he had a woman come to him, she was about my age, and she needed help to come to terms with. She'd been, she was a swinger, and mm. she'd been at a party, and she say so they have these rooms sometimes within swinging clubs that are completely dark. There's absolutely no, um, nothing else in there except bodies. So you're 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 really honed into the experience, so you can't see anything. And she had this amazing sex with somebody. And then they happened, she realised they they both sort of left the room at the same time, and it was her nephew. Oh, oh no. Shit. Her, like, 21-year-old nephew. Oh, see, that's... that's <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's... Oh. See, Vogue... That, that could happen over here easily, because Vogue Williams did a show on RT2 where she travelled around the country to uh, swingers' parties. And like they were in warehouses and industrial parks and in Limerick and that could easily happen. Oh, that's mental. <laughs> that is actually mental, like. Well. How would you Oh yeah, I don't know. That's He was a very skilled sexologist, so I'm sure he helped her greatly, but I don't know what you do with that. I don't know how you ever go to family dues after that. Yeah, no, stop. Yeah. So, Emily, you were saying at the start there that we were introduced as Ireland's only sexologist and you were saying hopefully not for long. So is there is there more on the way? or is I don't know. I, no? A, I'm always hoping somebody's going to prove me wrong. B, somebody's going to do the training. You can do great training in the UK. You don't have to go oh. as far as Australia. Because you can't do training in Ireland at the moment. No. 
Um, so hopefully more people, more sexologists are going to are going to appear. Yeah. You know, um, it seems like the, the healthy option to have yeah. more outlets like. Yeah. Well, you know, it's it's I love what I do. It's a mission. I have my own history that that was very damaging. And I feel that I've, you know, I've a good insight into what goes on in Ireland and what goes on for people and how mm. difficult and damaging it can be to not be able to voice your boundaries and keep yourself safe you know and um so it is my mission it's not just a job it's something that i i I would do if i was paid or not paid because i think it's really vitally important you know that 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 people just whatever about my therapy work which i love this talking at any opportunity i can to people in a meaningful way and getting them thinking and talking about it themselves that's the point that's how we make change right absolutely it's not me seeing like seven clients a week in my own little room in in Dunleary and yeah. that's not really going to cut it I need to you know that's to be an open discussion and people have to be engaged and, and everyone engaged nobody yeah. getting shut down or shut out because they're in the 40s exactly <laughs> did you see the balloon one yes that 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 I just don't I can't get the balloon one have you seen how the, the website's just like girls and they're like blowing up balloons and they're just standing there sort of going... With, with a balloon, yeah. And oh, the, the, there's people, who are, into, there. people who are into the whole thing of just the balloons being popped. Just into... just like It's amazing. Like Each to their own, I guess. But yeah, yeah. I just... I Yeah, I don't see how... I don't... If there's anybody out there who's into that and they can explain to me why, go for it. I'm, exactly. I'm open to hearing why, but... but are you the, ever... The um, baffles me. Are you ever approached from... Th- the kind of national broadcaster do TV work at all, or sometimes, yeah, 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 yeah I am, and I do what I can. Um, Are they open to kind of? Um, I don't know. I'm not on telly, so I guess not. Yeah, no, but in terms of being, <laughs> forward, yeah. yeah, yeah, no, but in terms whatever of, they tell me, I guess the bottom line is I'm not on yeah. telly. So, are you ever like approached to do any kind of projects, once-off projects with with the national broadcasters? Well, like what I get quite a lot is people. So, so say I might get on, I might get on something and do something. Uh, a short snippet of something around because Valentine's. It, yeah. I'm often asked to be on Reality stuff. Bites or something like that in RT2 seems like a perfect kind of um, avenue. Like even even with the Vogue Williams kind of series that she was doing on, on mm. the Swingers, I just, I don't know why they haven't, say, reached out. And Yeah, I think uh, maybe, I don't know, I, I don't want to speak ill of the powers that be in um, Donnybrook, but I think the fact that it's a national broadcaster and they're still no, but the, a the, huge... The, like, I, don't get me wrong, I know RT2 in particular have kind of tried to embrace the younger generation, but I still think there's a huge kind of propensity to be yeah, but traditional. Yeah, Vogue did that subject on Swingers, though. Yeah, but that's it's kind one... Of different, though, as well. I didn't yeah. see it, but I, I imagine it could have been a little bit more about the sensationalism of that going on in Ireland. It definitely was that. Yeah. Rather 100%. than somebody ongoing, hey... Swinging's great. Just be safe and careful, but yeah. let's look how to do it really well. Yeah. It's more like let's all look at the weirdos. Is my sense I, of the shows possibly, they're doing yeah. so far? Yeah, I possibly. can't. I can't see like RTE or uh, maybe TV Three because they seem to be willing to do things RTE aren't. But I just don't know if I could ever turn on the telly and see somebody having a serious discussion about people who are you know into feet or people who are <laughs> into balloons. In, into balloons, like. I know we're kind of laughing, which takes away to it, but like no, but people you, you having would, like an actual conversation openly and saying, "This is what I'm into." Yeah, 
and you know what I mean. You'd 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 more so though. But I suppose what I'm getting at is that like two FM used it for two years um, as as their clinical sexologist. So there was a need for that, you know, for two years. Mm. So I I think that perhaps in a format I don't know what the format could be, but RT two on a Thursday night ten o'clock. Have Emily mm. on and mm. discuss the most common topics as opposed to fee fetishes or they, that can come on a later thing. But I mean, it just seems that there's a there's an avenue there that needs to be kind of because we were talking about the mental health aspect of it as well. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it seems to, like it'll benefit and remove I mean, the taboo, like remove the taboo. But you you spoke oh. about it um, on two FM at what nine in the morning. So surely they could open it up to a, an evening kind of, even a kind of Craig Doyle type chat show or a Brendan O'Connor. Don't, don't be encouraged about Craig Doyle back in the telly. Right? No, no, well, I'm just using that format. Like the, the cutting edge um, with Brendan O'Connor, that was that was excellent. I could see you on that round table talking to them about that. Mm. Just that, that my Thank thoughts. you very much. <laughs> I, I am enjoying your your dream for me and I will certainly, I'll certainly take them up on that <laughs> if they come to me having listened to your podcast maybe I'll go to them maybe yeah. I need to do more podcasts maybe that's an maybe avenue no you're exclusive to us now that's it you can't <laughs> well then you're going to have to have me on regularly <laughs> yeah. once isn't going to cut it no <laughs> I'd, I'd be open to it to be honest because I do think it's a conversation but yeah you'd, why not start your own podcast yeah I did start my own podcast and I got one done that I was pleased with but then stuff happened and I didn't it just fell apart and do uh, anymore but okay. I, I do think I, I'm better possibly doing this than on telly because I pull mm. kind of weird faces. And <laughs> maybe I'm just not used to it. I think I'm better on yeah. doing this. But yeah, I, I know podcast. I mean, look at you guys. You're hugely successful, aren't you? Doing what you're doing. And you're just... Ah, you're just love that. Well, you are. Ah. I mean, you won an award, didn't you? We did. Yeah, yeah. there you go. Only we're, last year. So you're... We're long listed for two more, just saying, you know. And you're, you're, home, you know? you're just authentic people with a curiosity about people. Yeah, pretty much. That's, yeah. Yeah, you know? yeah. pretty much. I'm going to put that as our tagline from now on. Yeah. That's actually a good way of putting it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, well it's a lovely way it's the thing with working as a sexologist the thing that you can note the minute you stop being curious you know that you're afraid there's a fear there's something you can't be afraid and curious at the same time so I yeah. work a lot with that helping people to lower their fear before they can be curious about whether they're any good and bad or whether their yeah. partner's any good and bad or what they can do about it you know it's lowering lowering the fear so your curiosity in such a fearful world is 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 becoming more unusual do you not think where yeah. people will actually yeah. sit opposite each other and, and really talk about stuff. That's quite unusual now. Yeah. Mm. The fact that you're so popular shows that people really, you know, connect to it. They miss it. They want it. Yeah, I, th- I, I think that maybe just even the art of conversation is dying a little bit. Yeah, I think so. I, I think with just, like, I know we are mentioning it for the use of porn, but again, with phones and tablets and on-demand TV and everything else, yeah. people don't actually sit down and have face-to-face conversations anymore. So if we're facilitating people having that kind of thing, I think, yeah, that, yeah. that's maybe what we're aiming for. But mm. again, if we can do it, like you said, and tie it into kind of that curiosity element, all the better. Yeah. No, it's great. They listen to us on their smartphones and tablets. <laughs> they do, yeah. I'm not saying... Yeah. <laughs> All right, look, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's, it's a cutthroat situation. I yeah. understand that, right? <laughs> oh, man, don't be putting ideas in their head, that's all yeah. I'm saying. Um, Emily, it's been absolutely it's amazing. It's been brilliant, thank you. On. And I, I, I generally, if, if you're willing to come back to us, I generally think we will. Oh, yeah. And I think maybe we'll open it up to people sending us in stuff. Yeah. Or, oh, that's a brilliant idea, yeah. Um, because, yeah. yeah, I do. Look, I mean, we've had 
we, we had Caroline McGuigan on, we've had John Ross Krangle on, we've talked about mental health, but I think this is something that people should be talking about openly as well. Um, we've had Lindsay on talking about physical health an awful lot, so... Yeah. I'd love to tell you, you know, like, you know, we didn't even get into the female, the, the internal clitoris. Yeah. You don't even, do you not even know about that? Most people don't. I've, I've heard of it, but again, like the G-spot, I figured it was like Hogwarts and it didn't exist. No, it <laughs> so, exists, yeah. You know it, I mean? it really exists, yeah. <laughs> you could, I can, I can create, you can become sexual ninjas the more you talk to me. I haven't even begun to, like, share the secrets of all this stuff. With yeah, you. I've always wanted chatting. to be a ninja. What? I sexual ninja is the way yeah. to go because it, it. Well, I was gonna say it, it was gonna be any kind of ninja. Backflips. And I'm They're not, not even necessary. I'm not designed for backflips. Me neither. So yeah. Sexual well, ninja is the way to go. Have we heard about what was the qu- the question? Internal clitoris. And mm. is that that's important? Is it? It's pretty important. Yeah, it's about <laughs> the size of a penis, and it's all part of the female arousal cycle that nobody knows about. There's a pen, draws the diagram. <laughs> Do you know where you find Take a beautiful home. diagram in three minutes? It's on YouTube, Betty Dodson. Betty look, Dodson. Yeah, look up Betty Dodson, internal clitoris. She's a fine artist and a sexologist. She's 86. She teaches women how to orgasm in her Brilliant. apartment in Manhattan still. Brilliant. Um, See, when there's people like that in the world, with all the bullshit in the world, and then you hear about somebody like Betty Dodson there, and instantly the world just becomes a tiny bit better. Yeah, she rocks. She yeah. absolutely rocks, and she's—I've done training with her. She's exceptional. She's really politically incorrect. She's eighty-six. She's eighty-six. Is she still going at it? Oh yeah, she's still Brilliant. going at it. Literally, she's still going at it. Brilliant. Yeah, and it's still working. Well, <laughs> yeah. so there's no age. No, there's no. no age limit. That's all in our heads. Yeah. But my granny ran that don't do anything like that, though. As far as you know. <laughs> I'm only joking. There's the whole thing of, no, nah, my man and I have only done twice. Me and my brother, and after that, day, nothing ever happened ever again. Why don't we like to think of our parents having sex? What is that about? Where does that come from, and why? I you think, answer that, Danny. I think it's the mental image, if I'm being honest. Why is that any more disturbing than seeing, th- than imagining ment- some of your friends doing it? Well, it's the mental oh, image. Oh, maybe we- you don't imagine your friends. Yeah, I imagine everyone doing it. Really? Everyone. Like me and Graham. Oh, toast like the whole time we've been yeah. here. I've had you in millions of scenarios. <laughs> of course. See, I like that we can have fun like this. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, I presume what it is. I, I don't know. I've never given it a lot of thought about the whole parent situation. Look, I mean, yeah, me man and dad don't listen to this, thankfully, but I presume <laughs> they still, you know, do stuff. Um, I just thankfully don't know about it. I don't think I could deal with it. Why? That's Emily's question. Yeah, I know. Just, I, I don't, it's an uncomfortable thing, isn't it? You know what I mean? Like, I mean... I was in bed once at my mum's house and asleep and my mum ran in. I'd been masturbating the night before. My vibrator was under the pillow and my mother jumped into bed as she is wont to do and said, quick, she's at an animal shelter. It's all about animals. Everything, everything is about animals. Quick, put pet rescue on. And she woke me up and I was bursting so I went for a wee and when I came back she was sitting up in my bed going like this to the telly with my vibrator (laughs) 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 your remote control's not working oh that's brilliant I did not know where that was gonna go (laughs) (laughs) yeah that was the day I hated my mother (laughs) I love my mother but that day that is incredible I was so embarrassed. I was only like in my twenties, early twenties, mortified. That is hilarious. <laughs> oh, I think I think that's that's a good one to end on. <laughs> yes, we'll end it on um, that. <laughs> Emily, your website empowersme.com. Yeah. And do you do social media at all? 
Uh, I have a Facebook page, which is Empowers Me. Yeah. And I tweet sometimes. Brilliant. It's Empowers Me as well. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah. So hit up. I'm still learning how to tweet. Okay. I had to stop calling it twit and being a twit. And I had to, <laughs> being I had to a twat? Get, yeah, yeah, I had to stop yeah. and actually realize there's some, you know, merit to it. <laughs> so I'm still trying to get my head around how to do it all. But yeah, I do. My Facebook page is full of really good up-to-date research and interesting articles. And it's very sex positive. Everybody's welcome. And there's something for everybody on it as well. I keep Brilliant. that up-to-date. So Facebook.com empowers me, empowers me.com's website and empowers me on the Twitter Graham is at Merigamania on Twitter. Yeah. I'm at Dan John Murray. The podcast is at WTS Pod. You can check out all the previous chapters. Uh, just search on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, anywhere and everywhere, WTS Pod, and you'll hear all the previous chapters. Uh, or you might want to listen to this one again to take up more of the topic. <laughs> um, listen to it in bed on your own. There you go. That's <laughs> <laughs> Sunday night. Maybe you do have great laughs. Time. I was listening to you. I thought they are some good laughs. Yes. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we do try. Dirty, um, dirty laughs. Dirty, hearty. Yeah. Old, <laughs> rigorous. Man flu. Laughing. Don't be, don't be bringing up man flu right now, man. Sorry. I do apologize. Masturbation's really good for man flu. I, yeah, well, I, it helps you breathe better. <laughs> yeah, it helps all sorts of things. It does. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, I do apologise if I sound quite nasally, folks. That is the man flu for you, but I'll sort that out at home later. Um, <laughs> hey! <laughs> if that makes the final letter, I'll be surprised. <laughs> better if it does. This is the um, best thing said all night. <laughs> so that's it for this week guys um, as always Fitzpatrick Castle Hotel are absolutely brilliant to us make sure you check them out um, FitzpatrickCastle.com but that's it thanks for listening remember to rate review subscribe and all that crack Graham until next week good luck good night god bless bye bye